Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. You're listening to the best of the Indo Daily. For those involved in the world of Irish dance that I've spoken to today, they say they're not at all surprised. The story broken by Ellen Coyne from the Irish Independent. With one headline saying that in one case, in order to get higher scores, a dance teacher and a judge appeared to be exchanging sexual favours. It is, it is very concerning, very worrying that you know anything like that would happen. And I do believe it needs to be properly investigated. Uh, and if uh, people have been engaged in any wrongdoing, then they're held to account. Today on the Indo Daily, the world of Irish dancing has been rocked by allegations of fesh fixing. It's a ferociously expensive world. I mean, it absolutely costs a fortune. Some parents can pay two and a half grand for a dress, but it, it can go all the way up to six grand for these ones that are personalised, that are embedded in crystals spend a fortune on obviously all of the deep dark tan, the shoes, the socks, the foot binding, the wigs. I'm Tabitha Monaghan and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Irish independent news correspondent Ellen Coyne to talk about the open secret that the Irish dancing community were afraid to speak out against. People had suspicions for a long time. I mean, I've never in my life worked on a story when people have been so terrified, so afraid to go on the record because they feel that they or their children or their dance school would be destroyed. Ellen, what are these allegations that have rocked the world of Irish dancing? Basically, the the world of professional competitive Irish dancing has been facing allegations of widespread cheating. So what happened was in July, somebody handed over a document of screenshots to the CLRG. So for those of us who aren't familiar with this world, that's the biggest, oldest and most prestigious Irish dancing organisation in the world. And what these screenshots appear to show is these conversations between Irish dancing teachers and judges. And just to explain to people, often an Irish dancing teacher will also kind of moonlight as an adjudicator at Irish dance competitions. And in the conversations you can see these are people who are really familiar with each other and ahead of competitions sometimes even as competitions are actually happening they're texting each other and the teachers are asking the judges to look after the teacher students and to give them really high marks. Um, We also revealed during the week that uh, despite the fact that these allegations went to the CLRG in July some of the teachers named in that document have still been allowed to continue to judge and adjudicate dance competitions Um, and the Independent separately has gotten our hands on more screenshots which seem to implicate another six teachers. So at the moment uh, so far there are about eight 
18 teachers who are facing really serious allegations of cheating. Um, and as far as we know, this is the first time that these sorts of allegations have been supported by what appears to be um, fairly convincing proof. It's a pretty big scandal for the world of dancing. So how is the governing body handling this? You said even though these allegations have arisen, that the people involved have been allowed to continue as judges. So what is happening now? How are they dealing with it? So this week, the CLRG put out a really lengthy statement saying that they had appointed a former Court of Appeal judge to oversee an investigation into these allegations. And they're very clear that, you know, from their point of view, if these allegations are proven correct, that it's really at the higher end of the scale and the disciplinary procedures that people will face will be fairly severe. But people are kind of asking fair questions. So, I mean, the Irish Independent has seen emails sent to the CLRG's members, which show that they only found out about this on Monday after the press started asking queries. The CLRG won't tell us who the judge is. That's the former Court of Appeal judge who's leading this. That's very unusual. Um, And they also won't give us any details like how long the investigation is going to take or even, you know, there's a lot of competitions coming up in the dance world at the moment. Are any of the people who are accused of being involved in cheating who are named in these screenshots, are they going to be allowed to continue to preside over competitions? So all of that is really concerning for parents of children who compete and compete competitive dancing and the dancers themselves who are so putting so much time, effort and money into getting through these competitions. And at the moment, they have pretty fair questions about whether or not they're competing in, um, in shows that they have any chance of winning at all. I assume the CLRG aren't particularly happy that this is now out in the media as well. I mean, they're handling the investigation. How have they responded to the coverage? Yeah, I mean, the like... Their contact with us has been fairly limited. It's been quite frustrating to try to get, a, never mind a straight answer, but any answer out of them. Um, and they did issue a statement to us earlier in the week where they made it pretty clear that they were fairly annoyed that this was now out in the public arena. Their argument is that it uh, it could prejudice the process that they have started. But I suppose, unfortunately, like this is now a global fast moving story. So whether the CLRG likes it or not, it is at the epicenter of this scandal. And people have a lot of questions that um, they want answered. And I think that, you know, those questions uh, in most cases are pretty reasonable. From the coverage and the stuff that you have written for the Irish Independent, a lot of people are saying this was an open secret. This was something that there was suspicion of for a long time. But how did the allegations finally emerge? So basically, the screenshots that were given to the CLRG, it's a conversa- It's 12 different conversations, but in all of them, it's the same one person sending the messages. So it's one teacher who's talking to 12 other teachers and judges. And it appears that that person um, has a grievance with the CLRG. Um, you know, people have different views on whether or not that grievance is is fair or well-founded. And it certainly is the perspective of other people in the Irish dance community that, you know, this individual decided if they were going down, they wanted to bring down other people with them. They wanted to kind of expose everything that was happening. So these screenshots were collected by this person. Some of them go back to 2016. Some of them are from competitions around 2019. And they were compiled in this kind of dossier um, and handed over to the CLRG through a friend. Um, but again, I suppose we have 
questions to ask because we don't know when the Court of Appeal judge was appointed. So was it in July when the CLRG was first made aware of this or was it only recently when it started to get out and when journalists started asking questions about it? Ellen, there was one report that a dance teacher and a judge were exchanging sexual favours for scores. Can you tell me more about that? That's right. So this was one of the text conversations that was handed over to the CLRG. So it was between two adults and conversations were kind of over a long period of time. And sometimes the one of the adults would be the the judge at a competition and the other would have students and then it would it would reverse and they would kind of have this quid pro quo where they would talk uh, in quite explicit nature about expla- exchanging certain sexual favours for really high marks and then they would talk about how you know one would be aggrieved because they had given the other person a 100 and had got, got nothing in return um, and it was just kind of laced with with innuendo and obviously this has attracted a huge amount of attention and concern from parents um, since it emerged and I think that certainly by the sounds of what the CLRG is saying, I think that that allegation in particular and those messages will be scrutinised and investigated incredibly seriously. When there's allegations of fixing in anything, often there's some kind of financial incentive involved in them. Is that the case here? Is there money exchanging hands in this alleged cheating scandal? It's such an interesting question because in the text, there's literally no mention of money changing hands at all. But when you speak to people in Irish dancing, they'll kind of point out to you that the people who stood to gain from this weren't the students, weren't the dancers themselves or their parents. It was their dance teachers. It's if you have a lot of world champions, if you have loads of All-Ireland champions, then your school will become more famous, more prestigious, and you can stand to make a lot of money from that. You can also stand to earn money by, you know, going to other schools and maybe teaching them choreography. So it appears a few very powerful, in some cases very well-known and very well-regarded schools were involved in this. And they basically formed a kind of allegiance with each other. And the way one former Riverdance star described it to me was it was like all of this power was consolidated in one place. And because of that, people had suspicions for a long time, but they were terrified to speak out. I mean, I've spoken to dozens and dozens of people over the past uh, few days and of all of them only one was willing to put their head above the parapet and go on the record and that was Kincaid Stringer who is a full-time dance teacher in Galway and also a former star of Riverdance like I mean I've never in my life worked on a story when people have been so terrified so afraid to go on the record because they feel that they or their children or their dance school would be destroyed and I think that's a really important thing to emphasise as well is that this, we're not talking about kids doing a hobby on the weekends in the parish hall, like we've been saying in the paper. This is a really massive deal for an awful lot of people. Yeah, and it's a multi-million euro global industry. Like, I think maybe sometimes we have this kind of like diddly eye idea of uh, of Irish dancing. And when the story came out, I think some people didn't really realise how deadly serious this is and the scale of it. Um, like there's a lot of money slushing around in Irish dancing. And if people were engaged in this, they would have stand, stood to make a lot of money from it. But also even on the most micro human level, there's Irish parents out there who are spending thousands tens of thousands of euro putting their children through competitive Irish dancing and now they're finding out that you know they might have been engaged in a process that sometimes was 
if this is if these allegations are true, a bit of a sham. And also think about the children themselves. I mean, we've reported in the Irish Independent this week that some of these teachers appear to be trying to rig competitions in the under 10s categories. So we're talking about grown adults trying to fix dance competitions for little children. Sometimes these children spend more time every week with their Irish dance teacher than they do with their own parent if they're at the kind of more serious and intense end of things. Can you imagine having that relationship as a child with an adult, thinking that you're working towards this goal together? And then you find out that this adult appeared to have such little faith in you that they had to fix it or try to engage in cheating for you to get a medal. And would you not question every single achievement you've ever had in Irish dancing after that? Like these are minors. The the potential to knock children's confidence, to damage them and to betray them is just, I, I think that that really can't be underestimated at this point. How does the CLRG deal with this situation now? I mean, like you said, there's these competitions that are coming up that young kids and children in general have been working towards. It's not a case of, okay, let's just stop these competitions now because, I mean, how disappointing would that be for the child that has been working so hard towards these competitions? Yeah, and some people have said like like the, the regional kind of provincial qualifiers for the world are coming up and some people are saying, you know, they should be cancelled or they should be boycotted. But then other people are saying, why would you punish children for the actions of adults? Uh, like this is so major in a child's life. They put in hours and hours of work. And I also think, you know, even if the, the allegations of cheating, the stuff in this document, if even if all of that is resolved and brought to a satisfactory conclusion, The work the CLRG has to do is monumental at this point because so many people have come forward and said, yes, we all knew about cheating, but it's only the tip of the iceberg. And people are talking about cultural issues in Irish dancing. You know, there's been allegations that dance teachers are verbally abusing children, putting them under ferocious pressure. One person was describing seeing children wet themselves or vomit on stage because of the sheer pressure. Uh, Other people have talked about how commercialised and this booming industry that Irish dancing is with all of these spin-off industries you know, it can be so incestuous with certain people running certain companies that then sponsor competitions that their students are competing in. Like there's a lot of questions here. And for a long time, the CLRG has had an ethics committee. So I think a lot of us would be really interested to know what work that committee has been doing over the last number of years. And I mean, was this these cheating allegations that were handed over to the CLRG in July, was that really the first time that this massive Irish dancing body had heard of uh, of this kind of stuff going on? Now that the allegations are out in public and it's garnering so much media attention internationally, it's not just in Ireland now. I have seen international papers picking this up as well. Have those teachers or those judges been taken off the judging panels of competitions? Do we know now? No. Um, so I know that there is a, a major competition coming up and one of the judges who was at, you know, who was named in this document um, was listed on the panel. But when I've, I've sent so many queries into the CLRG just to ask, is this person still going to be judging this competition? And they won't answer. And we know that before the allegations emerged in the media, so that period between July and uh, and October, when uh, nobody except the people at the top of the CLRG seemed to know about this, um, the people who were named in the documents were judging competitions all the time, from very tiny kind of regional fetches to pretty significant major competitions. They were still allowed 
allowed to go and adjudicate. Um, and I mean, even you know, the CLRG would make the case that it's investigating, that these are just allegations at the moment, that people have a right to their good name. But I think in a lot of organisations, if something like this was levelled against you, you would at least be suspended or at least they would use a different adjudicator um, just while the investigation is ongoing. I mean, things like that have raised major questions about the way that this whole scandal has been handled by the CLRG since they learned about it. Are you surprised by the allegations? I am because about three days ago, everything I knew about competitive Irish dancing could have been written on the back of a postcard. <laughs> but from now, everyone in Irish dancing uh, knew that this was happening. Like everyone knew that it was coming. And yes, this is the biggest cheating scandal to hit competitive Irish dancing that any of us have learned about. But the reason it's so big is because it's the first time there seems to be proof behind it. The way Irish dancing works, the kind of mystification of the judging process, the fact that they never used to have video allowed before, it meant that if you, if a if a judging decision was contentious or seemed controversial, people had very little comeback. The judge's decision was basically final. So if you did suspect cheating, it was very hard to prove it. So I think that is why this has turned into such a kind of catharsis for people in Irish dancing, whether that's parents, former dancers or teachers themselves. They've been waiting for a long time for a scandal like this to hit Irish dancing. And the most important question they have now is, is this going to be used as an opportunity to finally rectify the problems that that a lot of people have been very concerned about for a very, very, very long time. And similar to you, as somebody who has not done Irish dancing since they were about eight years old, what struck me about the story, and especially when the text messages, some of the text messages were published in the paper, is the casualness of the fixing. It's my my student X is there, will you give them a hand? And it's yes, I'll fix now. It's just, and the fact that they decided that it would be okay to put this in writing. Oh, yes. I mean, the brazenness of, brazenness of it is uh, is breathtaking. And you can see even a cursory look at the text messages, which we had in the paper this week. You can see there's such a there's such a casual like nature to the conversations um, and there's closeness between them. So it'll be like, oh, you know, this is my student. Um, some people were so brazen that they would sit down with their book, which is the list that says, you know, what number their their students will compete under. And they would write down as many as 20 25 names in all the different categories, boys and girls from under 10s all the way up to under 17s, and just send it on with the expectation that all of those people would score high or get medals. Um, and like what I found really funny is as well as sending descriptions, you know, this one has blonde hair, this is a picture of the dress she'll be wearing, people will kind of lobby a little bit and be like, oh, you know, she did really well at the All Irelands, or she did brilliant at the Oireachtas, or she, uh, she got this, that, and the other. So the implication is, you know, previous success entitles them to future success but nobody seemed to pause to question if the previous success was ill-gotten you know if this person had a habit of trying to lobby and cheat to get medals for their students and then the more medals you accumulate apparently the more you're entitled to you've spoken about how much parents would have to have forked up for their child to be involved in this what has been their reaction to this Parents are really, really distraught. Like I've spoken to so many people who pulled their children out of Irish dancing because they saw that, you know, their perception was because they were at the wrong school, the wrong teacher, 
they were never going to get past a certain point. They were never going to be allowed to be world champions. And parents have a huge amount of guilt because they feel like they suspected this for a long time and they didn't know if it was the right thing to pull their children out because these children adore Irish dancing and the parents love it as well. And there was kind of a feeling of, you know, why should my child's love, why should my child's passion be robbed from them because of the actions of some adults in the industry. We've also had some really distressing uh, testimony from parents about seeing their children being verbally abused. We've had uh, parents telling us that, you know, if a if a dancer left a certain powerful school, how they would be told that they would be ruined, that, you know, for a period of while afterwards, you kind of endure this punishment where you'd always be marked down. They would call it being tanked, where no matter what you did, how well you performed, you'd never make it into the recall. You'd never make it into the top 50. And one former dancer told us that she endured this. And she remembers one competition where it was just a disaster for her. She just could not. Her scores were tanking and her teacher turned to her and was like, well, that's um, that's your punishment done now because she changed schools. So she had to go through this sort of like hazing process where she was punished in her scores for leaving one school and going to another. Like it cannot stress enough. At the end of the day, this is a child's hobby. And a number of people, unprompted when they were speaking to us, were comparing it to the mafia. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? So basically, people are kind of saying like, you kind of got a sense of it there, like these dance schools, when they get really powerful, they're nearly like families. And when you choose to leave one for whatever reason, um, it's kind of seen as the ultimate betrayal. And it's kind of like the rhetoric is nearly like you'll never dance in this town again. And there's this big effort to make people really regret or really suffer being seen to leave one of these powerful schools. But also at the other side of it, like there's a lot of Irish dance teachers out there who, according to them, were well aware that there was cheating going around, but they were terrified to um, kind of engage in it, not because of the moral reasons. One teacher explained to me, she was well aware that there was teachers who would um, who would kind of boost up marks for friends. But she said she was terrified to ever ask one of those cheating judges for a favour because she said it was like the godfather. Once they do you a favour, you're kind of in it for life and you can never escape and they kind of have you. So you can see how people would initially kind of draw teachers in by being like, I'll just do you a favor. Like you got really messed over at the last competition. I'll throw you a 100. But then once you've done it once, you then owe them. And it just becomes a vicious cycle that can continue for years and years and years. And people are terrified to speak out about it. I mean, I spoke to one teacher who left. He he didn't re-register as a teacher again. He'd been a teacher for 30 years and he was afraid to talk to me on the record, not for him, but for his former students who are now adult dancers in things like Lord of the Dance and Riverdance. And he was convinced that he, if he spoke on the record, they would be pulled from the shows. That is the power that people suspect these kind of top elite schools and these top teachers have within What is, I suppose, it is a global industry, but once you're in it, it can feel like a very small one. My thanks to Irish independent news correspondent Ellen Coyne for joining me today. I'm Tabitha Monaghan, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced and researched by Mary Carroll with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Clips from RTE, Virgin Media News, News Talk and Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. You can find more of our journalism on independent.ie.